Um, this afternoon, I want to take you to the book of Acts. Is that your favorite book? Dylan told me Acts is your favorite book, so I'm going to take you there. The book of Acts and um, chapter 10. And if you're taking notes, which I do always encourage you to do, they say spiritful believers, take notes. Okay. And Acts chapter 10. And the title of this message is Sleeping Saints, God Has a Mission for You. Take it personally, it's prophetic. Okay. <laughs> you say, I'm not sleeping. Okay, you look very awake to me, all of you. But um, I might change my mind later. Depends. But um, we're going to look at Acts chapter 10. And I really want to fire into the topic of evangelism, saving souls, winning people for Christ. How many of you have been one for Christ? Somebody won you, okay? Who shared the gospel? Who was the first person to come and tell you about Jesus? Do you remember? Huh? Do, you, do you guys all realize that we're not born saved? We're born lost. And somebody comes with the message of Jesus to us to introduce us to the Savior of the world, Okay, so who was that other person? Who was the person that God put it on their heart to come share the gospel with you? Can we shout out some names? DJ? Teacher. A teacher. Okay, awesome. And someone said their mother. School teacher. Hi, gee, how many of you are from the gospel are a school teacher? Quite a few. Wow, amazing. Scripture Union. Okay. Craig? Alpha. Alpha. Nikki. He led you to the Lord. Okay. Yeah? Okay. Anyone else? Can you too? Oh, Sunday school. A teacher. Do you remember the name? Okay. Yeah, who was it? Billy Graham. Somewhere, yeah. Okay, so, so shouting out names here and thinking of those people that brought the message to you. And do you know there's a verse in the Proverbs, Proverbs 11 and verse 30. Um, you don't need to turn there, but it says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. And you know, when you think of that wisdom that it takes. You might not think it takes wisdom to go into, you, you, maybe you just thought it takes boldness. I mean, how, how many of you have ever wanted to share the gospel with someone and you just felt like, God, give me courage. Next time pray, God, give me wisdom. It says, he who wins souls is wise. And um, so part of that thing, I've realized over the years that if you want your church to share the gospel in the world, which is what Jesus calls us all to do, we need to help people and show them how. We need to impart wisdom into you to be able to equip you to share the gospel. So I'm going to pray quickly, and we're going to ask the Lord to do just that. And, um, and we're going to trust that God's going to use Acts chapter 10. You're going to be equipped today to share the gospel. Father, we come before you, and we want to pray for the ministry of your Holy Spirit to um, take truths in your word and to apply them to our lives. And um, Jesus, we pray that each one of us would 
be handed the tools today and learn how to use those tools to be able to open up other hearts and minds to you. And Lord, that even the empty chairs that are here would be filled by people that are just getting brought into your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I, I used to be in the Navy many moons ago. And in the Navy, you could go into different branches. And um, on a typical ship, you'd have all the you know, different um, designations. And one of the positions on any ship would be the signalman. Okay, there were signalmen, usually a couple of them, and they would work on shifts. Now, the signalman, he's obviously, as the name, his thing, work was to send signals. So, they would have um, radio sets, they would have transmitters and receivers on, aboard the ship, and um, they would also have a light. So, you could see on some of those older ships, they'd have a light, and they could either using what is called international Morse code, send messages to other ships or to the land. And so there were certain, have you heard of the SOS? Okay. And um, so that was something that sailors had to learn, Morse code, back in the day. Not so much today, but that was um, when I was a young lad. And, um, and, and so the signalman had a very important job. He could call for distress or he could call for help. And um, using those signals, and they'd also use different flags to get the message across. And way back in the 1970s, during the Vietnam War, um, there were soldiers, American soldiers, that were getting taken and captured. They became prisoners of war by the communist Vietnamese. And in one particular prison, um, it, they, they, they called it the Hanoi Hilton, it really wasn't that at all, okay? It was where they got severely treated, beaten every day, starved, hung upside down, and went through all manners of cruelty. And um, there was one particular, the highest ranking prisoner of war that was there in Hanoi. And um, his name was Jeremiah Denton. And he was actually a naval officer um, that had been shot down. And um, he was kept in a prison. And, of course, the Vietnamese were breaking all the international laws of war, the way there's a certain way prisoners of war are supposed to be treated. And so um, they, of course, didn't want to admit it. The world was watching and seeing what, how, what they're doing to these American troops. And uh, so they called Jeremiah Denton in. A bright room had all the lights on, and a Japanese reporter on camera asked him, how are you being treated? Are they, are they being good to you? Are they looking after you and everything? And he was prepped beforehand. You better say, yes, we're all doing well. They're feeding us three-course meals. And just tell my wonderful it is. And um, so Jeremiah Denton, in this interview, he's talking. And uh, you can look it up on YouTube. And um, that's Jeremiah Denton over there. And with his eyes, he did Morse code for the world. And, of course, they didn't have a clue what he was doing. But he was, with his eyes, he was going in Morse code, printing out, saying the word, torture. <laughs> and so the world got the message. He was being tortured and all the other prisoners of war. But, you know, when I think about that torture with 
his eyes communicating to the world. How many lost people out in the world today, when you look in their eyes, you see the word torture? You know, when God called Corinna to ministry, um, the first place where we landed was in Greenpoint, in Cape Town, and uh, the first sort of people group that God called us to, do, uh, to minister to was a group of prostitutes. And we went there every other night sharing the gospel with them and introducing them to Jesus and ministering to them. And the one thing I can tell you, when someone lives in sin, their eyes tell it. Doesn't matter what they, and, and you know, vice versa, when someone is in Jesus, their eyes tell it. The eyes are the windows of the soul. In fact, a few days ago, I was, uh, we were in Wellington at TMT, and um, I went in, Corinne asked me to go get some bread in the store, and I went into the store, and this lady who was at the till didn't say a word, and I just looked at her, Never seen her in my life. I just looked at her and I looked at her eyes and I said, you're a Christian. You love Jesus, don't you? And she said, yes, amen. And we had a fat conversation. But truly, you can see in people's eyes. Um, I, I've ministered in Long Street and I've ministered in the city for many years. And I've learned to read people's eyes. And I can tell when souls are being tortured. And those are the people that God wants to send us to, to go in and to bring them into the kingdom, to bring them to Jesus. Now, some of those people may be religious. Just because someone says, I believe in God, does not mean you don't need to share the gospel with them. Because today in Acts 10, we're going to look at someone who did believe in God. But nevertheless, he needed to know about Jesus. He needed to know how could have his sins forgiven and to be cleansed of his sins. So we're going to look at this, and um, in fact, I'm going to save my voice. I'm going to ask Corin to read um, Acts 10, and you can follow along, and then what I want to do is pull out a couple of points about sharing the gospel, and you're going to see here God's going to use Peter, the apostle, to go across to travel to this place to go and share the gospel with this man who is a Roman soldier, a man of authority, who wants to know the truth but doesn't know the truth, and the Lord is going to supernaturally connect these two men to each other. But the interesting thing is, as Corin reads, just notice that when you meet the apostle Peter, he's a sleeping saint. The Lord had to rouse him and say, wake up, you need to go share the gospel now. And I wonder if the Lord could be doing that to Josh Jen Musenberg, saying, wake up, it's time to go share the gospel. So let's follow along here. If you have in your Bible, I think it's going to be on the screen, but we're reading Acts 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror. And he said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. 
And now send men to Joppa and bring one, Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one, Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were going on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while, Simon, while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I've sent them. Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he walked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why, do you, why are you sent for me? So we're going to continue the story. But right at the beginning, you've got two places, Joppa and Caesarea. You've got Peter, Simon Peter, in Joppa. And he's on a rooftop, fast asleep, in a trance, waiting for lunch. So he's obviously very hungry and falls asleep, and it's the house of someone called Simon a Tanner. What does that mean? You like the sun? He lives by the beach on a house. And there was Julian. Okay? I was just thinking, I was like, man, this place sounds like Musenberg. You know? And do you, I don't know if it's just you, but you know when I go spend holidays or times by the sea, 
You know, stay in a house close to the sea. I always feel sleepy. Do you? Is it the sea air or something about that? But here's Peter, like, snoring. And the Lord has to tap him on the shoulder. And God gives him this vision. And he sees this cloth coming down with all these unclean animals on it. He says, eat that stuff. And he's hungry. And he's like, no, no, I can't. I'm a Jew. I can't do that. And the Lord's teaching him a lesson. Don't call anything unclean. But you see, Peter was called with apostles by Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples. The world. That means Jews and non-Jews alike. And you see, up to this point, Peter hadn't really done much evangelizing of non-Jews. And so the Lord has to wake him up and bring him into this Italian soldier's house so that he can go and he can share the gospel and impart the truth of Jesus to him. And I want to make a couple of points here if you're taking notes. And the first to remember right here is devout people need Jesus just as much as bad people. Okay? This guy, it tells us this Cornelius was devout. What does devout mean? It means he was a good oak. It means he prayed. It means he gave money generously. It means that, I mean, we could have thought like, yes, it would be nice to have this guy in Josh Jen Musenberg. You know, he's like the whole deal. But he wasn't the whole deal. Okay? He was devout, but he wasn't devoutly saved. So there are, and I, I think sometimes we make that mistake, and you know, we, we think about sharing the gospel. Okay, we're all the bad people. Okay? But hey, there's some pretty devout people around. And I, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of sometimes, you know, when you go out and share the gospel, and the person's like, no thanks, I'm Catholic. Well, you need to hear the gospel as much as that guy selling drugs on the corner there. I had a lady say, no thanks, I'm a Presbyterian. And I've like looked at her. The first time I heard someone say, no thanks, I'm a Presbyterian. You mean you're saying no thanks to Jesus because you're a Presbyterian. Aren't you supposed to be interested in Jesus? Um, she walked on. So divide people need Jesus. And then the second point is only saved souls can save souls. So at this point, even though the angel is there and there's this vision and everything, at the bottom line is Jesus doesn't use angels to save people. He's commissioned you and me, the church, to save people. Only saved souls can save souls. Can you say amen to that? And I guarantee you that person who's sharing the gospel with you was saved. Go ask him, okay? Especially if it was Youth for Christ. Those guys, my dad was in Youth for Christ. Those guys were hardcore. So, third point, um, and this is one where we've got to bring it to Musenberg, okay? For God to use us, we've got to wake up and do something. Peter had to get up out of his sleep. He had to deal with his insecurities and fears and not wanting to associate with Gentiles. He had to get up, he had to follow those three men, and he had to go out of Joppa and go to Caesarea to the very house that God was sending him to go to. And you see, for us, I think we sometimes don't realize that the Christian life actually takes effort. Right? It takes commitment. And, um, you know, I think sometimes we, 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 um, 
make the mistake of saying, you know, we do the tithes and offerings and we go, you know what, God doesn't want your money. No, he does. God wants to use your money for missions. He wants to use your money to get Andrew across to California. He wants to use your money. Okay? So God does want your money. And God does want your time. And God does want your dedication. And God does want you to be a soul winner and evangelist. And please don't tell me your gift is not evangelism. Have you ever said that? Okay? Jesus said to us, be evangelists. Do the work of an evangelist. Go into all the world and evangelize. Do you know the first time I acted and I was honest, my heart was pure before the Lord. I, I can't say anyone put me up to this or anything, but I went to my neighbor. I was six years old and I went to go tell him about Jesus, Sean. And I said to him, he was Catholic, and I said to him, Sean, if you die and you don't know Jesus, you will go to hell. You've got to ask Jesus into your heart now. Now, okay? And I remember him looking at me just like totally quizzed. What's he talking about? I, I wish I knew a little bit more at that point. But some of the things I'm going to share with you might just help you over here. But in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16, Jesus said these words. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he says, is it up there? Okay. I like PowerPoint, by the way. <laughs> if I didn't go to ministry, I would have been a graphic designer. So um, I didn't design the world, but the, just Mark 16, he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. In other words, all kinds of people, not just Jews, Gentiles, barbarians, Scythians, um, Canadians, people of all races and colors, Preach the gospel to them. And it says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. Okay? So people's lives, the eternal salvation hangs on the balance whether you and I will obey what Jesus called us to do over there, to go into all the world, to be ready. And so we must do that. Now, I want to give you um, five points here, and this is just, this is like training. I love to train. So teaching, coaching, training, and evangelism. And I want to give you five points over here that can really help you. Um, the first thing I want to say this is depend on the Holy Spirit to bring lost people to your front door. Depend on the Holy Spirit to bring lost people to your front door. And um, Peter as he woke up, as God had ministered to him, there was this like dock, 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 dock at the door, and there were these three men, and the Holy Spirit said to him, before he even went down and opened the door, he said, there's three men waiting to see you, and he gets down, and there's three men. You see, this was the Holy Spirit. And you know, if you and I are trying to do evangelism without the Holy Spirit, can I tell you something? It's a lost cause. How many of you ever tried, and you didn't depend on the Holy Spirit? Hey? You thought you were sharp. You thought you had, I can just do this. I led a, a guy to Christ last week. Let me do it again. And it doesn't work because you were depending on yourself. And so the first thing is depend on the Holy Spirit to bring lost people to your front door. As I said, my dad used to be part of Youth for Christ. I mean, Youth for Christ, Billy Graham back in the days, 
These guys were so active in Cape Town. They were sharing the gospel on street corners in Cape Town and Sea Point. They were at UCT. In one occasion, they got a, hired a helicopter to fly into UCT on the field, land on the field with an evangelist and go share the gospel with all the students. These guys, they were full on for Jesus. My dad used to love Beatles, Volkswagen Beatles. And I can remember growing up in my dad's Beetle, he would always have on the side the doors in those little compartments there and in the glove compartment he would have these gospel tracts that he would give out to people and share the gospel and pray for them and introduce them to the Lord. My dad's led so many people to Christ over the years, I've lost count. But the, the amazing thing is when you as a person, my dad is not the big kind of PR person or anything, but he's just a humble man that God said, I can lose, and my Holy Spirit will work with them. And I've seen my dad ministering even to children and in um, places in the wild coast, Transkai, sharing the gospel and seeing people getting saved through that. When the Holy Spirit is with you, you're going to succeed. And so pray, be dependent on the Holy Spirit. And then number two, go to where the lost people are. Go to where the lost people are. And Peter, the Lord said to him, as he was coming down and these three men are there and they say, you know, this man Cornelius is in Caesarea. Peter didn't say, oh, well, just why didn't you tell him to come here? You can come to my house. No, Peter got himself dressed, changed, and he went all the way to Caesarea to go to the house of Cornelius. And you know, it paid off because when he got there, it wasn't just Cornelius. It was his wife, his children, and his relatives. You see, while Peter was traveling up there, Cornelius was getting more and more excited. He started bringing more and more people. So by the time Peter got there, there was a church waiting for him. Isn't God amazing? And so you and I have to be willing to go into people's homes. And um, this is something I've, I've got to honestly credit my wife that she has modeled so amazing since even, like when we were on the streets of Cape Town ministering to those prostitutes, Corin would go into their homes and their brothels and their apartments. And yes, see, those places, they used to stench. They were horrible, like sin dens kind of places. But Corin would go in there, sometimes her alone, sometimes with a friend, and she would go minister to them and lead them to Christ. And then I would baptize them. And we were a good team, eh, babe? Okay. And... She did the sharing the gospel, and, and I did the baptizing, and we saw slowly them coming to Christ. But the fact is, you've got to be willing to go into their homes. You've got to be willing to visit them. And he comes in. I love the way. Doesn't Peter come in really low? He came in really low because when he came in, Cornelius immediately falls down on his face, and he's like, oh, got the apostle Peter here. Oh. You know, and he's like, and Peter's like, Peter's actually embarrassed at this point. He's like, please, like, just get up, dude. I, it's just me, Peter, Simon Peter. You know, I'm the guy who denied Jesus three times, you know. And Jesus had to talk to me three times again. I, you know, I was in the drive. I kept saying, no, I didn't want to come meet you, you know. I'm the bad guy. And, and so um, Peter just came in nice and low. And, you know, if you come in humbly, people will listen to you. Even people whose hearts are closed. How many of you have ever tried to share the gospel with an atheist? Okay. 
And you think, okay, let me just look on the internet there, Google atheism, how to share the gospel with an atheist. And you know, you think like I've got to come there with intellectual arguments. Why don't you try next time, come in with humility. Come in low, that will throw them. And so we've got to be willing to go to where the lost people are. Thirdly, before you can save their souls, you have to win their hearts. You've got to win their hearts. And Peter, in a very beautiful way, and I think all of you would have loved Simon Peter. If he could just be a part of this congregation, you would have loved the guy. He was a, probably a big burly fisherman and probably well tanned like some of you, yeah. And, and Peter had a way of just, you know, he did struggle with pride in the Gospels. We do read about it, but Peter won people's hearts. He was good at winning people's hearts. I love that about Andrew. Isn't Andrew Sally? He's got a great way of winning people's hearts, like winning. That's, that's a gift. That's something that we should ask for. And look at the way, read in Acts 10. Listen, God doesn't just fill the Bible with stories for us to like tell our kids, but it's there for us to learn principles, principles for life, principles for marriage, principles for ministry. How can we serve God in the power of the Holy Spirit? We've got to read in the Word here. And so Peter is talking to Cornelius about, and he's telling Cornelius, um, he says in verse, what is it? Verse 34, Peter opened his mouth and he said, truly understand that God doesn't show partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. What is Peter doing here? Peter is just saying, like, calm down. This guy was obviously so on his edge. You know, I've got the apostle Peter in my house here, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, you know, I can imagine him. He was just like feeling super awkward at this time. Peter's just calm down. You know what? I'm a Jew and you're a Gentile, but you know what? God has shown us that in every nation, whoever fears him is acceptable to him. And, and it's just a great way, isn't it? Just win the people's hearts, okay? I know sometimes there are those evangelism programs that's like, you're a sinner, like God is holy, you're a sinner, and if you don't repent of your sin, there's this fire in hell, and you're going to get eaten by maggots, and you're going to die, and you're lost, okay? You need to repent now. And while that is the truth, okay, while that is the truth, when Jesus was sharing a gospel, it was, wasn't every time we told them, you're going to go to hell. He would tell the Pharisees that often. But generally when there was that woman, that, uh, at the, the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus said, go call your husband. She said, I have no husband. He said, you're right in that. He said, no husband, because, you know, you've had five, and the one you're living with is not your husband. And he said, in that, you've said, right. And he just goes and ministers to her. And, and um, there's a loving way to do things, speaking the truth in love, okay? I, I'm, I sense you guys are good at this, because you all look so loving tonight. Hey? Oh, okay. So then, fourthly, and... Um, Guys, let me tell you something. I, I don't know. How many of you, do any of you use tracts ever? I know there's, in the church, there's a, like, a, like a, ah, this is hard. I know it's, some people love them, some people hate them. When, when we were sharing the gospel in the streets, we, we needed to find some source of, of evangelism tracts. So you have a conversation with someone, you talk to them, and you want to leave them with something. 
And so we went to this, found this place. It was called the Evangelical Mission Press. It was like in Belleville somewhere. And I can remember Cara and I walking into, we're so excited. You know, they print tracts, yeah, they gospel tracts and Bibles, and we're going to go in here. And we went in, and there was this, it was like in this industrial area where there was like, you know, a lawnmower mechanic here and uh, something else there and tree fellers and paint shop and yes, was this place and this small little door. And so we pushed the, the button. I mean, it looked all locked and closed up. We pushed the button and then this like old lady comes to us. It's like, hi, can I help you? You know? And we're like, hey, is this evangelical mission press? And she says, yes, it is. She's talked in a Scottish accent or Welsh accent or something. And so she opens up and we walk into this place. And honestly, I felt like I just walked into the 1940s. There's this like old like rotary printer and it's just smells like ink everywhere in this room. And it's like, and it's just spitting out these tracks. And um, I said, yeah, I'm interested in tracks. And it's just like, I'm like, this is weird. This is so weird. And, and so we go there and we like pull tracks. And I mean, bless these people's hearts. They, they'd been doing it for like 150 years and not the lady, but <laughs> their ministry. But, you know, back in the day, I think they were cutting edge. But I think time hadn't been friendly to them. And so they, at some point, they got left behind. And so those tracks that worked so well in the 1940s and 50s, they were still using the identical ones in the old King James. And Corona, we, we bought some and tried to use them. We realized this isn't going to work, not in Cape Town streets. And so what we did is we started designing our own tracks and doing our own ones. I printed up one like finding God when life is hard and things like just that could connect with people to win people's hearts. And so um, that's something that's so important for us to connect with people, okay? And so um, just always remember that. And then number four, tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. And if you missed anything up to now, this is the most important part. If you tune in right now, you're going to get it. Four things here. And I'm going to read these few verses, and I want you to notice there's a word that occurs over and over and over as Peter is talking about Jesus. And I wonder if there's any bright spark here, and you'll see that word, and you can tell me, and then I'll give you a chocolate, a lint ball. So um, Peter opens his mouth, and Peter speaks, and verse 36 as for the word that he sent to Israel, so Peter's talking now, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. 
And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. And to him, the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes on him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, I wonder if you spotted that word that appears over and over. No, you probably didn't. I don't think. Witness, I owe you a chocolate. What's your name? Laura, okay. So, okay. Julian will buy you a lint. And I'll pay him back. I'll pay him back in waves. So, so um, it's the word witness. What are we to witness to? There's four things over here. And the first thing is in verse 39. We are to witness. When you're telling someone about Jesus, maybe they don't know about Jesus, start by telling him, verse 39, you know how he went about doing good. Jesus was someone who loved people, who lived where? Who lived when? Show them that Jesus was a real person, okay? Not some guru from India or whatever, but he grew up in Israel. He was a real person. He did great miracles. Touch people's lives. That's the first thing that we are to bear witness to. Give, give someone a starting point. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is you need to witness that Jesus was crucified, put to death. Although he lived a perfect life, he was crucified for our sins, and he died, and he rose again. That's verse 41. And then the third witnessing is the word, it's actually the word testify in the ESV. Testify, and this is important. In verse 42, that one day God will send Jesus back to earth to judge the world on account of sin. That's a very important point where you share the gospel. There's a consequence to not accepting Jesus. And so tell them that. And then fourthly, you witness to them that you can be saved. And that's in verse 43, and it says, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Okay, you know, if you call to go with us, guys, we must evangelize, guys, we must evangelize. How? Okay, well, depend on the Holy Spirit. Be willing. Go to their place where they are. And then remember, win their hearts, not just their heads. Okay, you don't just want to present the truth. You want to present it in love. And then Tell them about Jesus, witness to them about the goodness of Jesus, his love for people, and the fact that he died on the cross, that he rose again, and one day he's coming back to judge, and then witness to them the fact that whoever believes in him will be forgiven of all their sins. And my last point, and I'm going to close with this, is that the last point, have faith, again, go back to the Holy Spirit, have faith in the Holy Spirit to convert their souls. Peter preaches his lungs out. He shares the gospel beautifully. But then it's time for the Holy Spirit to do his work. And it says in verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit moved. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And they were hearing them speak in tongues even. And then, verse 48, Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And he stayed there for some days. Guys, 
have faith in God and have faith in the Holy Spirit of God. I can't tell you that enough. Um, there are times when I've been ministering, um, I'll, I'll just tell you about one student that walked into church. He was a UCT mechanical engineering student. This guy was so lost in his sins, so far from God. A friend had bought him, and uh, he was so disinterested. And when I talked to him, he told me he was an atheist. And um, all he could think about was cars and engines. And I'm like, this guy is not even interested in Jesus. And I persisted with him for two weeks, and he came back to church the next week, and I shared, and then I watched as the Holy Spirit moved. And I saw this guy's eyes change. I saw when suddenly he realized, like, I need to accept Jesus. This is the truth. This is life. And this guy went on with the Lord so much, we actually employed him, and he worked for us for some time. And amazing guy. But God is in the business of saving souls, and often he's doing it one person at a time or one family at a time. And so I want to leave you with that tonight. And um, in fact, sharing a gospel is really so easy, isn't it, when you do it God's way? When I do it my way, it's very, very hard. When I do it God's way, it becomes much easier. It's a breeze. How can I do it God's way? By taking up his word, finding his principles, and applying them to my daily situation. It's that easy, isn't it? And um, I want to ask you, when Peter was there sharing the gospel with Cornelius, this Cornelius, you would say, in fact, in, in an African way of saying it, we would say, dude, he was a righteous dude. He was righteous. Was that surf talk? Okay, he was a righteous dude. Okay? But this righteous dude wasn't saved. He was lost. You're only saved through Jesus. You're not saved by giving. You're not saved by coming to church. You're not saved by putting on a good picture. You're not even saved by reading the Bible. You're saved by accepting Jesus Christ into your life. So Julian, when he was sharing a gospel with you, and I witnessed, my spirit witnessed with that, and we want you to accept Jesus if you haven't done that. God wants you to do that. And the only way you can do it is by coming to Jesus, believing on Jesus. And Jesus is coming back again. He is going to come back. I know that. We know that for a fact. How many of you know that for a fact? We know that. He's coming back. And he's going to separate the righteous from the unrighteous. And he says those that are the unrighteous will be cast away into outer darkness. Those who are saved, they will come into everlasting life. So what do you want for your life? You want to be saved? Well, accept Jesus tonight. Ask Jesus to come into your life.